Welcome to Trinity. We're a church family learning how to follow Jesus in the city of Nottingham. Our vision is to see the church on fire and the city alive. Good morning, church. Today's reading is taken from Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to 44. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported him to all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. And it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do, we ha- do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus told them to make all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basket f- basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was five thousand. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Rashmi. Okay, so it is, it's a quarter past eleven. What I would like to do, I'm, I'm telling you this for accountability, okay? What I would like to do is at 10 to, I'd like to have some ministry. I feel there are some things the Lord wants to do about setting people free. At 22, I'd like to have 10 minutes of space for us to give together as a family. And that means 25 minutes of speaking, which is going to require some discipline in the pulpit, something that nobody has ever accused me of. Uh, before. So Lord, please give me a special grace, a 25-minute grace today, so that we can do the other things which matter today. And I pray, Lord, that you would give me fear of you. Lord, may I not fear any man, any woman in this place, but just be willing to say the things that you place on my heart. But let it be disciplined, God. Let, Let me speak briefly by your grace with power. Amen. Amen. So I, I may cut and paste 
here and there to stay uh, disciplined here. But um, we are, for those who've arrived relatively recently, maybe even today for the first time, we've been in a, a brief series looking again at what makes us who we are as the church. Two weeks ago, Amy and I spoke on that. We spoke about the kingdom of God and the centrality of the mission of the kingdom of God, that the gospel is the news that Jesus is the king and that God is taking charge of the whole earth, the heavens and the earth, and making something new and that he enlists us in that. We spoke within that about the idea of there being Therefore, more opportunity for us as God's people to step in today. And Bishop Paul picked up that theme last week really clearly. Uh, Secondly, we said that there is a need in these days for defiance, and we spoke also about urgency. Last week, Bishop Paul was with us, and he said he spoke about this idea of following Jesus. And as we follow Jesus, we're, we're those people who are willing with Jesus to say, let us go somewhere else. And I felt that really fit so Uh, neatly with the sense that we have as a church at this time, which is that God in Christ is calling us somewhere else, not geographically somewhere else, but to a new phase in the life of our church, a new season as a church. So I want to speak about that today, and, and there are two elements to that. The first of those is specifically this term. I feel, and we are going to be teaching about what it means to be A church who engage with a world, the world around us, where Christian faith is not necessarily any longer valued in and of itself. And we're going to look at the the church in Acts, and we're going to ask the question, how can we have a genuinely gracious, what you might call a missionary encounter? How can we meet our world with love, and how can we see the gospel being effective today? So that's what we're going to do this term. That is the somewhere else, if you like, that I think Jesus is calling us as a church. But actually today, I want to focus on the somewhere else that Jesus is calling us as a church in this season. As we work out what it means to be the church on fire and to see the city alive. And we're going to do that by looking at Mark chapter 6. Now, Rashmi's already read it to us, so we don't need to, the story to be retold. And in fact, if you were in kids' church as a child, or in old money, Sunday school, you already know this story. Maybe you went to a Church of England school, so you're already familiar with this, and you know the story of the 5, 000, feeding of 5,000. It's actually the feeding of many more than 5,000. It's 5,000 men. There would have been ten to 13,000 who people, if you include women and children there. It was a large expanse of people. And many of you know this story. It's one of the stories that has bled into a wider cultural consciousness. But the background to this story is the apostles, verse 30, gathering around Jesus, reporting to him all they had done. They've been sent out to do the stuff, to do the kingdom stuff. This happens at the beginning of chapter 6. They've been sent out to do the things that they have seen Jesus doing for, oh, a couple of chapters worth of the gospel. They come back celebrating. And so the the environment here is one of urgency, of celebration, of joy, but also of exhaustion. They are exhausted. They have been extended beyond themselves, ministering in power on a mission trip, if you like. And they return to Jesus and he says, friends, I've got a little treat for you. We're going on retreat. I've booked a spa day. I've got 
plush robes for you all to wear. There's those, uh, what are they called? Flip-flops, the, the furry ones. With the brand of the location you're going, we've got all of that stuff. There's some fish and some loaves as well. And he lays on a, a little retreat for them. They're going to go away and pray and spend time together. And what happens is that the urgency of the hour and the spiritual hunger of the crowd crash in on the retreat. And Jesus scraps the plan. Instead of a retreat, there is a revival meeting. Now, I don't want to say too much on this because I'm in danger of climbing up on one of my hobby horses and riding off into the distance and 25 minutes will be a dream. Or for you, maybe a nightmare. But it is interesting how spiritual hunger the spiritual hunger around us often erodes our desires to exert walls around us and boundaries, you know? Yeah, we may want to have a perfectly ordered 24-hour Sabbath. And yet if our neighbor is hungry or thirsty, <laughs> if there is a spiritual hunger, I'm all for Sabbath, by the way. Amy and I practice Sabbath as often as we can, but... Where there is a spiritual hunger in the world, Jesus is on the move. And he's leading people into places of hunger. And let me tell you this, because this isn't a story you hear. There is a profound spiritual hunger in the world. Profound. And we need, as the people of God, we're going to talk about this this whole term, we need to regain confidence in speaking the name of Jesus. Because Jesus is the fullness of the invisible God. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. All spiritual reality is in him. And when we offer Jesus, we offer life. So that's what happens. Jesus, Jesus awkwardly has compassion. And his compassion <laughs> causes him to move and to cancel the retreat and to take them on this revival meeting. And so he begins to teach them. Now, the, the, the teaching, Jesus is even worse than me. In one respect, he's better than me in every other respect. But in that, he gets excited with the, the, the teaching. And so the teaching goes on and on. It gets dark. And uh, people are hungry. And the spiritual hunger begins after a few hours, maybe, to give way to a profound physical hunger. And he realizes that there's an issue here. And so he says, look. Well, the disciples, in fact, come to him laying out the problem. Jesus, people are hungry. You need to give them something to eat. And he says something amazing. Listen to this. But he answered, verse 37, you give them something to eat. There is a problem. Jesus engages the disciples in responding to it. Here actually is a profound learning. This is a profound lesson about the kingdom of God. Jesus has every resource in, on, and of himself. And yet in the kingdom, Jesus wants to create responsibility in his people. He wants to engender a people who will take responsibility for the world about them. He wants, to, he wants healthy adults. He wants us to go to him with a problem, that's prayer, and then he will empower us to be his hands and feet in the world. You give them something to eat. It's that, that's, that's, if we're praying, we will hear him say that again and again and again. We'll come to him with problems. Lord, I'm stirred in prayer by the situation of children in my city. 
That's the prayer that's on many people's hearts in this church. And he will say, I am glad that you've come to me with that. In fact, the reason you've come to me with that is because I put it on your heart. Here's my answer. You give them something to eat. That's the way, that's the economy of the kingdom. That's the way the kingdom works. And when we go to give them something to eat, he empowers us. He gives us the food. This is the way it works. He works through us. St. Augustine, just in case you were wondering if there was any theological rigor in the house today, he said this, he who created you without your consent, meaning you didn't get a choice to be made, will not save you without your consent. And I'm going to rewrite St. Augustine because, well, he's dead and he can't complain. He who created you without your consent, this is the Johnny Hughes paraphrase, will not use you without your consent. Jesus gives us, he gives us the mandate, he he lays upon us, he lays upon us the request, you give them something to eat. This is often the way it works in the kingdom. Now their response is often, is the same as what ours often is, look, I can't possibly do that. You must be, me, little old me. And we look round and we look to the side and we say, well, the issue of chil- children in my city, that's for, that's for the government. That's for the government to solve. That's for the council to solve. That's for my pastors to solve. That's for the church staff. That's for whoever. We all do this, by the way, don't we? It's somebody else's problem. And actually behind that, I don't think actually is a a desire to abdicate responsibility. Often it's just that sense of fear. How could I make a difference? That's what we feel. The disciples do that as well. I love this. Uh, They say, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? The sense I get as I read that, and you may disagree, And if you do, we'll talk about it afterwards. The sense I get is not that they don't have access to that money, but they are questioning whether that would be a valid use of that money. All that money, all that resource, just for now? It's the same. I think we do the same often. When we get locked into the economy of the world, not the economy of the kingdom. See, in the economy of the kingdom, there is no lack in the economy of the kingdom, there's no lack of God's power, of God's resource, of God's compassion, of God's willingness. Often the lack is on our side, and the lack is self-doubt. The lack is unbelief. If, if you're anything like me, you may not be. But if you are, that's where the lack is. Okay, I meant to have finished this page by now. We see the problem, it paralyzes us because it feels too big. And so we move on and we rationalize the voice of God, the word of God, and we say, he could not possibly have been saying that to me. And we move on. But Jesus doesn't let them off the hook. He says, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. How many loaves do you have? Go and see. He causes them to do an audit, an inventory of what they have. And and at least in this rendering of the story, the sense I get is that the loaves and fish belong to them. I I think about these as the provision for the spiritual retreat they never had. That they're still bitterly muttering about missing. As they've heard Jesus teach for the umpteenth time on some of his greatest hits. 
The words Yahweh says to Moses in the Old Testament are, Moses, what's in your hand? And I can't hear Jesus' words to these disciples without thinking of Moses. What's in your hand? So often God moves miraculously when we, his people, offer the simple things that are already in our possession rather than worrying about the things that are not yet in our possession. The miracle happens when they hand what they possess so that it becomes his possession and then he multiplies it. And look how he does it. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. He gave thanks. The Greek word there is eucharisto, eucharist. This is communion. This is the word from which we get Eucharist or communion. This points, this moment, this giving thanks that Jesus does points forward to the cross where all resources for his people will flow. It's as if he's saying, look, this is how it happens. I lay my life down, and as I lay my life down, it becomes a gift to all people. And just a couple of details here I'd love you to see. It says they all ate and were satisfied. The, who, who all ate? Well, the crowd all ate. So the crowd in, in kind of this uh, environment, the crowd of the people not yet in the room here today, the crowd of the city, the crowd of the people that don't yet know the name of Jesus, the crowd of the people that you and I have come into this place on our hearts. My crowd this morning are my golf buddies. They're the people I spend time with week in, week out. They're the crowd. And as I give, as, as I come to Jesus with my loaves and my fish feeling inadequate, but bringing them into God's presence, he says, you go and feed them. And he sends me out with a longing and a hunger to see them come to faith. Again, that's the way it works in the kingdom. The crowd for you will be someone different. But we, all, we, all, we see here that the crowd eat and are satisfied. Jesus has what they need. But also what is left over they all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. It's as if he needs to say to them, there'll be enough for you as well. You'll get your retreat meal. It's not going to come in exactly the way you expected, but I will feed you also. I'm going to part this here, because I think this is something we can return to over the rest of this term. I want to teach you here this morning about the way the kingdom works. That's what I'm trying to do. This is the way the kingdom works. Jesus feeds people through us. You know, I think about Jackie Pullinger. Some of you know her story. She is a, in her early 20s was somebody, she was a nurse with a longing to be a missionary. She went to a series of missionary organizations and every one of them said, you cannot serve as a missionary for us because you are a woman. But here's what we would have you do instead. And she said, well, I'm not standing for that because Jesus has called me to be a missionary. She couldn't find a single missionary organization who would support her. So in the end, she said, Jesus, I'm getting on a boat. It's going east. When you want me to get off, you tell me. <laughs> I mean, who does that stuff? What a loony. So... She, gets, she stays on the boat for, I don't know, months, I'm not quite sure, until she gets to Hong Kong. And when she gets to Hong Kong, she, Jesus says, get off. She, she gets off the boat. She says, where should I go? He speaks to her about uh, the walled city. It was a city that was within a wall, within Hong Kong. And it was where all the drug addicts lived. It was a place of depravity and awful addiction. It was the place where the triad gangs were operating. It was a lawless place. She said, Jesus said, go there. So she went there. 
And her story really was of her obedience to Jesus, seeing people come to faith, come off drugs overnight as she simply prayed in tongues over them. You can read this in the book, Chasing the Dragon. It is one of the most profound and wonderful spiritual biographies you will ever read. Put it on your reading list. If you've not read it, you must read it. She simply offered the little that she had. Now, she still ministers there. She's seen hundreds, thousands, I've got no idea, people come off addiction and come to Jesus simply through people praying in tongues over them, some of them without any withdrawals. And Jackie Pullinger is still working there, and the walled city has disappeared. They tore, they tore the walls down, and there's a plaque there where it used to be honoring her work. That's the way the kingdom works. That's the way the king works. He uses us. I want to talk now about giving. (laughs) Just a nice little segue there. For the sake of time, I'm going to follow my notes a little bit more accurately here. Because actually, this is the environment, isn't it? The environment for discussing giving is the environment of talking about discipleship in the kingdom. Because giving money is a part of the kingdom. It's related. It's about us giving the simple things we have so that he would multiply them. We are fortunate here at Trinity Church. This is a family conversation now. If you're just joining us and visiting us, uh, you can tune out if you like. But I'm speaking to the family here, and I know most of you are part of the family. We are fortunate to be in a position where we have some reserves as a church at the moment. This is primarily as a, as a result of your generosity, particularly through the COVID pandemic, where costs declined for a period there. I don't know if you remember, there wasn't a lot going out, but your giving did not. And also to the good stewardship of our trustees, our now PCC and our staff team. And we have grown over the last few years. We now regularly see between 450 and 550 human beings of all ages coming to this church week in, week out. But also the scope of our mission has has increased in size and in complexity. We now run, for example, a weekly home space ministry where we welcome anyone from the city to come into into the place. Uh, I know, uh, looking at a number of you, Martin and Kathy and others are involved in that, and, and, the, and then they run an English class and various other things that go on as part of that. We're ministering with increased complexity. We spoke a couple of weeks ago about the amount of things going on for children in this place and young people. It's amazing. We're seeing acceleration of that work. We've seen a doubling pretty much in that ministry in the last couple of years alone. We've also taken on another building uh, and we've uh, joined with another church, St. Andrews, and we now are overseeing that church, and we've got a PCC as part of that. Positively speaking, that means that building gives space for mission and ministry, and we want you to know we are using that every single Sunday morning with our kids and youth ministry. We are also using that week in, week out for kids hangout and in really exciting ways, but it is costly. It is not even cold yet. But when it is cold, that place is sub-zero, folks. I've preached in that, and some of the St. Andrew folks here, they're not going to deny this. I've preached in that place with my uh, uh, down jacket, my insulated jacket, and still been shivering my way through a sermon. And we estimate that having that building uh, will cost us probably around 25K a year. Now, all of this means... Uh, All of the growth and all the new opportunities means we have made plans for the coming year to resource these growing ministries and these new opportunities 
with staff roles in consultation with our PCC who have oversight over what happens here. The presence of our reserves means that we're able to sustain this in the short term and sustain the ministry and to see it grow. That is so exciting. And we are so excited about what God has for us in the future. And we know there's more that we haven't even seen. There are crowds to feed that we know not yet of. Because there's more. There's always more in the kingdom, isn't there? We're never happy. That's what Bishop Paul said. Just let us go somewhere else. And that is the somewhere else to which we are going. The people that don't yet know Jesus, those are the ones that we long to see drawn into this story. Now, as you are probably aware, the vast majority of the income this or any other church receives is from the generosity of those who call it home. That's you, and that's me also. Now, I just want to say a couple of things on giving. The first thing I want to say is that giving is an essential and non-negotiable part of discipleship, of following Jesus. I make no apology for that. I am not embarrassed about saying that to you. I am proud of that. Because until your finances come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, your whole life is not yet under his lordship. I'm your pastor. I have the responsibility to say that. I'm not manipulating you, coercing you. I'm just telling you what I believe to be the truth. I, know, I don't know what any of you give in this church. I know what Amy and I give, and that's it. Now, I've chosen to do that because I don't want to treat anybody differently in this church on the basis of what they give. There are downsides to that. It means I'm not able to have individual conversations about generosity with people in the same way. But that's, that's the way that we've chosen to do it. So I don't know what you're giving. I can say this as a, a, a carte blanche rule to absolutely everyone. We give principally because we worship a God who gives. So this is theological. Even before it's about formation, discipleship, even before it's about practical stuff, we want to become like God. God gives. That's why we give. We also give because we want to become like God. In other words, giving is formation. In the same way that coming here and singing is formation, in the same way that reading scripture every day and praying is formation, the same way that serving the poor is formation and, and opening your home in hospitality and all these other things, giving your money is formation. And in scripture, we see that people give the first and the best. We don't wait until the end of the month and see what we have left. We give the first fruits of the harvest. And so in Scripture, often what the guide is the tithe. That's the Old Testament. Actually, um, that means the first tenth. I, personally, uh, Amy and I have used that as a, a guide for us. We try and give at least that. Uh, I don't think in the New Testament you can necessarily say that's a rule. In fact, what you see in church history is that giving has been voluntary in the church. And so there are times where some people can't give that, and some people actually can give far more than that. I think the key thing is actually that in the heart, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, God loves a cheerful giver. The word there is, it comes from the word hilarious. You know, some of you, as you give, you feel slightly hilarious. So Amy and I have always tried to use that as the baseline. That's what we've tried to do. And we try to give before, we give at the beginning of the month, on the first of the month, before anything else comes out, so that we know we're not going to get to the end of the month and say, oh, it's a bit tight. Can't do it this month. Now, some of you won't be in that position, and a tenth will be a stretch for you. You're not giving anything maybe yet, and actually, maybe maybe you're not going to start there. But I would encourage you to make a beginning. So 
I want to say some things on that's the giving in discipleship, potted. Now so we've got one minute. Some giving on uh, giving and the mission of the church. Giving is also a practical necessity because of what I said before. We want to plant churches next week while the marathon's on. We're going to be sending out some saviors. We want to give a substantial gift to that church. We're going to discuss that at PCC on Tuesday night. We want to keep doing that, not just for them, but for other churches we send out. We're going to give a bunch of people. That's going to impact our giving. We are so happy to do that. That's our mission. If we stop being happy to do that, shut the doors, let's go home. But we are happy to do that. We want to we continue to reach and meet the hunger of young people and children in this city. It is insatiable. I wanted to tell you more stories of what God did on Thursday night at Fuel. You're going to have to wait a week or two because I'm already struggling for time. And Britannia's got some stories from Thursday night which will make your hair stand up on end. It is extraordinary what Jesus is doing in our children. I personally believe there is no less spiritual hunger in adults than there is in children. But we have, we have the, the thing is, we, we're not as good as our children at evangelism. We're nowhere near as good as they are. Because we're embarrassed about saying the name of Jesus. If you're anything like me and you're embarrassed about inviting your friends to church, our children don't have that problem. We want to continue to do that, and that requires faithful and regular giving. And I just, I just want to applaud you for the ways that you've engaged in that in the last seven years. We are honored and humbled by that, and you've shown your spiritual maturity in that way. As a guide, this time last year, we saw an increase in giving of around 23.5%. Extraordinary. Isn't that wonderful? What an amazing thing. That happened as some people increased their giving, but also through an increase in the number of givers. Now, some people, for, for practical reasons and everything else, actually decreased their monthly giving last, giving last year, but we still surpassed our giving base. And this is, a great, this is great news. Part of this was that we saw the average month, monthly givers increase from 161. Now, that's not necessarily individuals. Some of those are couples and families to 183. 72 extra people or families began to give to this church last year. Phenomenal. Now, we estimate for, for us to get to a place of sustainability in the next couple of years, we need to see a similar increase, let's say 20%, year on year, twice in the next five years. So our ask is four, fourfold in minus two minutes. We would say to you simply this. Number one, if you are already giving here, thank you. Thank you. That is part of what makes this place home. This is part of being a family together that we do this. It's not the only thing we do. It's not the most important thing we do, but it is an important thing that we do. It's one of the ways that this becomes home. So I, would, I, wanna, I want you to prayerfully consider whether God might be calling you to increase your monthly gift. I remember Nikki and Pippa Gumbel speaking about this when we were under their leadership at HTB. And Nikki just saying that Pippa and I, Pippa and he, I wasn't involved. Uh, Pippa and Nikki... Every year at this time of year, they try and increase the amount they give. And ever since I heard that, Amy and I have tried to do that. Even if by a couple of pounds, five pounds, ten pounds sometimes. We've tried to do that so that every year we're giving a little bit more. And if every one of us, if every person that gave here already gave ten pounds extra per month, that would mean an average increase of two thousand pounds per month, 24k a year, and that's the salary. It's a lot. That's a little bit for you and I, but that's a lot for the whole church. 
That's the first thing. Secondly, if you're here and you would call this place home and you're not yet engaged in giving for any reason, and and the reasons could be multiple, perhaps you're new here, perhaps nobody has yet asked you, invited you, or for some other reason, we would invite you to step in still further to being part of this family and begin to give regularly in a planned way to the life of this church Because we would say, as we've said, that this is one of the key markers of belonging here. Number three, three or four. In either case, if you are already giving or about to start giving and have not yet filled in a gift aid form, but are a UK taxpayer, can I encourage you, the government is ready to hand us out free money. Free to us, perhaps not free to them. And that comes to charities like ours. And we guess that anything up to £24,000 a year may be available to us. It is a guess. On the basis of what's being given to us at the moment with unclaimed gift aid. Again, that is either another salary or that is potentially the deficit from taking on the St. Andrews building. So if you've not yet registered gift aid and you think that you could, please would you do that? Fourthly, we want to let you know And this is a watch this space moment, that there is a really big opportunity to come for us all to practice sacrificial giving. Now, again, Nikki and Pippa. Uh, Nikki used to say, whenever there was a big call for giving, he said, when there's a big call for giving, it's exciting. And this is a particularly exciting week. (laughs) And uh, this isn't a particularly exciting week, but I think there's an exciting year ahead of us. Because as you've noticed, we have a growing congregation, a growing ministry here. Isn't God good? He's multiplying loaves and fish, isn't he? It's amazing. I want to tell you the story about youth. I'm going to hold that back. I'm going to show some discipline. But we need more space to fit them all in, you know. The St. Andrew's building is a gift, but it is not fit for purpose. It's an old building, it's 150 years old, it's freezing in the winter, it needs to be subdivided, it needs to be renovated. We have a building here called the coach house attached through that door to us. It is unusable, it is effectively falling down. We don't have enough room for pastoral space to meet people, we don't have enough room, we can't grow our home space beyond its current capacity, it's about 80, 60 to 80 maybe Martha, I'm looking at you-ish, every week, give or take. You're nodding cautiously around. 60-ish to 80-ish people come? Yes, thank you. Good, I haven't lied. That's important. For the tape, he didn't lie. (laughs) Between 60 to 80 people come every week to that. That downstairs space is full. There are other ministries that God has in his heart for us that we can't host in this place because they're full. Our staff has no more space to meet. Uh, We gather around tables at the moment here, which is fine. We gave our our staff room away to the Sparklers a couple of years ago. And uh, and David's been amazing to come and make new desks and and things around the place so that we can uh, uh, be gathered around. But there's so much more that we could do in this space that we need to do if if we're going to see the ministry of the church continue to expand so that we can meet the hunger in the city. It's not just so we can have a bigger church. I'm actually not really interested in that. I want to see people come to faith in Jesus. That's what I want to see. Ian wants that. He wants to see that among young people and kids in our schools. I want to see that too, but where are we going to put them if they come? There's nowhere to put them, folks. 
So we need more space. And you say, well, okay, we'll keep planting churches. And I'm saying, we're raising up leaders. We're going to carry on doing that. We're going to carry on doing that, but this place might grow as well. And so what are we going to do with that? Well, we're starting another service, but what if they fill up? I mean, there's so much more. For us as a church, we can't stay here where we are. That is going to involve a major update to the fabric of this uh, church. And that is going to involve a 150-year-old building and also a building with pigeons in it that's next door so that we can meet the vision that God is laying on not just our hearts but our hearts you're the ones coming to me with this stuff and saying I'm excited about this I want to see more so I'm going to close now there is more opportunity Bishop Paul said it last week you have an Episcopal authority there saying there is more opportunity now than ever before in this diocese We are raising up leaders like never before. We have some unbelievably called, passionate young leaders ready to take up the mantle of planting and leading new churches. We're seeing young people and children coming to faith, bringing their friends. The Spirit of God is on the move. We're seeing a generation of revivalists being raised up. We have a vision to start a training base for younger leaders. There is so much more. We want to see a campus where people encounter Jesus. We've also got an allotment. Didn't even remember the allotment. What might God want to build in this place for this city? Let's put it in the language of Matthew, Mark 6. Who might Jesus want you and me to feed here? Not just here, out there. What if he is saying to us today, you give them something to eat? Well, that something is not exclusively our money, but it can't be separate from the conversation about our money. So I would love just to take a minute to pray. I'm going to come and get one of these forms. No, I'm not. Mark's going to bring one. What an associate vicar. There with a form just when you need it. Mark, I'm also going to need a pen. Thank you. All right. Let's just spend a moment in prayer. I took longer than I'd hoped. It was always going to happen, wasn't it? But I want you to ask the Holy Spirit. I want you to ask the Lord. What are you saying to me that I am to give? Now for some, you won't be able to answer this question right now. But for some you will. You'll have a number on your heart, in your mind. Just as the Sikhs begin to sing. Holy Spirit, we want to give what you long for us to give. As Paul says, not out of compulsion, coercion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And just as and when you're ready, if you can find a pen near you. You know, I'm going to look at this form.
Now I'm going I'm to work through this myself as well. In a kind of primary school teacher mode. So I'm going to put my name here at the top. And you fill this out with me if you're ready to do so. And my name is, is Jonathan. William Clewellyn Hughes. I'll just put Jonathan Hughes there. My phone number, I'm not going to call that out in case I get <laughs> scam calls all week from people watching the YouTube asking me if I want something or other. But I've put it down there. I'm going to put my address there as well. And my email. Now, for me, I actually give by recurring standing order. It comes out of my account at the beginning of the month, every month, and I've arranged that uh, with my uh, bank. So I'm going to go home today and speak to Amy and pray about what we should do, and we're going to amend that together. But if you're beginning to give or, or if you want to... Um, Make a pledge about what you would want to give, maybe as a one-off or as a, a, a recurring. You might just say, okay, if you've got cash, you say how much there is in there, the amount, and tick that box. Similarly with a check, <laughs> who's carrying checks in the house? Or maybe a, a one-off uh, payment today, an above and beyond payment. Or maybe there, you, you're like me, you already make a regular payment, so that's you at the bottom. And you might just want to say, this is what I'm going to do going forward. And then if you finish that, those boxes, you may want to turn over. And if you need to put card details in, that's the place to put them. You put your name there and all the other details. And then this is the key one. And you can fill this bit out, even if you don't fill the other boxes out. If you've got your name and address on the front, and also fill this gift aid declaration. In fact, if you're already gift aided, why don't you fill this out anyway, just so we're certain. And you can boost your donation that way and tick that box, that's key. And then sign it and date it. Now somebody very helpfully asked me, Matt, before the service, he said, the day I put in at the top of, this, of the page with my card details, is that today's date or the date you will take a payment? If you put the date that you want a payment to be taken there, we will not process that before that date, okay? So if you don't want a payment to be made tomorrow, for example, put a future date, maybe it's the first of next month, and we won't take the payment before then. So I think that's maybe enough time-ish. And if you need to finish that afterward, there's also some info on the screen. There's a QR code for the millennials in the room. The Gen Zers in the room. Gen Zers in the room have already done it. Um, and if you're ready, why don't you stand with me? I just think there's more the Lord wants to do today. It's five minutes to, I'm five minutes behind schedule. That's a record. The Spirit must be with us. Um, don't hurry if you're still filling out the form. But I was really encouraged to listen to a podcast this week on ministry time, on leading ministry time. And I, I received that podcast as correction. And so I'm just going to give some more space today for the Spirit of God to work. So if you'd open your hands, if you're willing and able, if you're able to stand, do stand with me. If you're not, that's fine. 
open your hands and it's just posture being open. I'm just going to invite in one of the oldest prayers the church has, the Spirit of God to come close. I'm just going to say, Holy Spirit, come there. Holy Spirit, come. And we're going to wait. I'm not going to invite the band up. I want you to stay in a posture of receiving. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit. And those among us who are used at this point to starting to pray for ourselves or speaking in tongues, can I just say, just, just take a back seat for a minute. Just receive. Don't pray. Don't speak in tongues. Just receive. God has good gifts today for his people. And I'm just going to watch what the Spirit does. Would you just focus on that?